told you if you listen to the, the trailer of this, I said we're going to get way better quality. And was I wrong? I wasn't wrong, was I? But anyway, welcome to I Know Nothing About MMA. I'm your host, DC. Not Daniel Cormier. No, this is an Australian voice saying the real DC. He hasn't trademarked that, so I can use it actually. But no. On today's episode, we're going to be looking at everything from UFC 251 to that recent Shabazzian Brunson card. So we'll begin looking at a lot of cards actually. So what we're going to be looking at is UFC 251, Kata versus Ige, uh, Benavidez, Figueiredo, Whittaker versus Till, and then Shabazzian versus uh, Brunson. And we're also going to be looking at Fight Island as a concept, um, the business it's doing for the UFC. Is it ethical? Should we be watching? Should we be calling Dana White a Don? I've heard people say this, guys, this guy's a Don. Thank you, Dana White. Thank you. I don't know. I don't know if he is. But anyway, we're going to be looking at all that, and we're going to be looking at everything I saw on the internet this week. There's a lot of stories coming out this week. There was a lot of stories that came out this week. So, all right. Let's get on to UFC 251, guys. Let's just get straight into it. Let's not fuck around, all right? We don't fuck around on this show. All right, so let's get straight in. So we're going to be looking at, firstly, Jorge Masvidal versus Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title. Um, should say Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal, actually, because the champion always goes first. My bad, Kamaru. So this is that subconscious thing I have about Kamaru Usman. Like, I, he's a great fighter, but, you know, I don't know. Like, I just don't like that. But anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get, let's not even talk about that right now. Let's just talk about the fight. Um, how great Kamaru Usman was in that fight. He was great in that fight, guys. He was. Hoi Masvidal said after the fight that he fought a beautiful fight. And we'll, and we'll get into those comments. Why Hoi Masvidal absolutely fucked up, guys. He really did fuck up. And we'll get into that. But let's actually just talk about the fight for a second. And, um, yeah, Hoi Masvidal in this fight was really good, actually, guys. He was really, really good. Uh, <laughs> on my card, in the Canine household, this was a, uh, a 50-45 shutout. You know, this was a... Kamaru Usman won all five rounds, comfortably. But what impressed me about Hoi Masvidal was his ability to stuff those takedowns. Because if you've seen... The fight against uh, Tyron Woodley. He smashed Tyron Woodley in the takedown, guys. It was such an apathetic performance by Tyron Woodley. And I was thinking, well, if he took Tyron Woodley down that easily, you know, a collegiate All-American wrestler, Hoi Masvidal's going to have problems in this fight. But I was wrong, because American top team, they have so many fucking wrestlers over there, guys. Crazy wrestlers. Yoel Romero. You know, fuck everyone else. Let's just think about it. This guy trains with Yoel Romero. That guy's a beast. You know, I don't want to get in there with <laughs> Yoel Romero. I never want to get in there with Yoel Romero, guys. He's terrible. He's terrifying. That last fight was terrible, by the way. His last fight. I was a big Yoel Romero fan before that fight. And, you know, he really let me I, I scored it for him. I scored that fight for him. But he really let me down. But, um, yeah, he was impressive in that fight. Despite losing a total shutout. He was stuffing those takedowns. And the flip side to that is, you could say, well... Maybe uh, Kamara Usman wanted him against the fence. And look, he, he definitely did. Because a lot of that time, it was spent against the fence. Um, but hey, Masvidal, he stuffed so many takedowns, guys, in the first and second round. And you got to remember as well, he only had a six-day training camp. That's nothing. That's, that's really nothing. And I heard a lot of people say, 
Well, he didn't really. He's been training for this fight for a long time. But the intensity is so different. You know, when you or when you have that goal in mind, uh, an eight-week training camp, and you know this is when the fight's going to happen, your intensity levels are so much higher. You, you are going to die in there. But when you don't have that fight confirmed, and it's really just, uh, you're just training for this one opponent, I might get this fight, but, in the, you know, things happen. You know, this is life. So things can happen. The intensity is just not there. You know, you're going to... Be a lot more relaxed. And a six-day training camp, all that is, is getting your weight down. That's all it is. You know, he, and listening to the Ari Hawani show, he said he had to cut 20 pounds. That's a lot of weight. That's a lot of weight, you know, and that would have, and that would have made him very weak. So, yeah, it was very impressive to see that he was stuffing those takedowns. And it is because he's with American Top Team. He has so many crazy wrestlers. You know, he used to work with Colby Covington all the time. They were best friends. I wish they were friends still. I love that guy, Colby. He's the best. But, um, yeah. And Kamara Usman, guys. Let's just talk about Kamara Usman for a second. Kamara Usman is going to be such a dominant champion. Trust me. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the guy, like, as a personality. I don't think he's a, you know, I don't think he's really, like, a, um... I don't know, like, when I think about why I don't like Kamara Usman, it really is just because of his personality. Because as a fighter, this guy is the new George St. Pierre. He is so good, and he's so dominant, you know. Against Colby Covington, who's easily the second best world to win. Easily. Great fight, by the way. Very sad Colby didn't win that fight. I was going for Colby, I have to admit. But that's why Kamara is so good, you know. And even before that fight, I was like, look, my heart's with Colby, but my head... You know, what's going with Kamaru? You know, if I had to bet on that fight, if you put a gun to my head, I would have said Kamaru Usman every single time. But, um, but yeah, he's so good. And now he's with Trevor Whitman, you know? That's a, that's a big story about this fight, guys, was him moving from Black Zillions. And I think he originally moved to Black from Black Zillions uh, because he was fighting Gilbert Burns, who also was at Black Zillions. And... Um, yeah, he's going to be working with Trevor Whitman now. Trevor Whitman, as you know, working with Rose Namajunas, Justin Gaethje. He's a top guy. He's a top, top guy. And Kamaru Usman's striking is only going to get better and better and better. It's not going to get worse. But here's the flip side to that. This could be another Josh Koscheck situation, guys. You know, because he was getting really comfortable with his hands in there against Jorge Masvidal. He was getting, and he was getting hit on the chin. Watch the fight again, guys. He was getting hit on the chin. Bad. You know, there's a lot of times where I thought, is Jorge going to drop him? But no, I don't think he had the strength. I really don't think he had the pop in his shots. And I I don't think he, I know he knocked out Darren Till. No, I suppose he does have the pop in his shots, guys. But, you know, that's the thing with wrestling a guy too. You take all that lactic energy in his arms, take away all the strength. That's why... In that uh, Habib versus Connor fight, Connor was done, man. You know, a lot of people think, well, he could have knocked him out. No, no chance. Especially after five minutes getting wrestled like that, the lactic energy just builds up. All right, all right. But after, but also, what I want to talk about is Jorge Masvidal after that fight. Jorge Masvidal after that fight let himself down so much. He re- he really did. Hey, actually, actually, before we get to that, yeah, just this has actually came into my head right now. A lot of people after that fight say, what a boring fight. This is such a boring fight. Oh, that sucked. You know, I was watching with a lot of friends, and one guy came up to me and he said, Dylan, that fight was really boring. 
You know, I thought he said Jorge Masvidal was street Jesus. You know, I thought I thought he said this guy was going to kill him. Oh, I didn't say that, guys, by the way. But I, I did hype up Jorge Masvidal. You have to. This guy is a legend, man. Did you not see that Askren fight? You not see the Till fight? You not see the Diaz fight? You not see the run he had last year, guys? That was a fucking killer run. You know, this guy was like Conor McGregor level. But he fucked up. He fucked up. But anyway, was that a boring fight? No, that was not a boring fight. Because this was never going to be Darren Till versus uh, Hoy Masvidal. This was never going to be the Diaz fight again. This was never going to be the Askren fight again. You know, so you have to subvert your expectations. Because what you have to remember, guys, is this is an athletic competition. This is an athletic competition. Um, yeah, this ain't WWE, is what I'm basically trying to say. You know, this ain't going to be the Ben Askren fight every time. That was a shocking moment. And moments like that are shocking because they don't happen. You know, they never happen. So was this a boring fight? Not really. I didn't think it was a boring fight because I knew exactly what was going to happen. You know. So you got to subvert your expectations, guys. You really do. Because a lot of people go into fights, you know, they're going to come out of fights disappointed because they don't have the right expectations for a fight. And, wh- and we're going to be talking about the uh, Mike Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight later. Way, way down the track. And yeah, a lot of people got to subvert their expectations about that fight too. But we'll get, we'll get to that. But what I want to also talk about before I went on that tangent was... Hawaii Masvidal really disappointed himself um, after that fight. He really did. He was saying stuff like, um, oh, I'm so sorry to my family. Uh, Kamara Usman fought such a beautiful fight. Did he? Did he? Like, I'm sure he did. Yeah, he did. But are you? why are you saying that? Why are you saying that, man? You, you fought on a six-day training camp, and this is what he could do to you in six days? That's what I would be like. I would be like in the post-match interview, this guy's a pussy. This guy's a pussy. <laughs> this guy fights like a bitch. You know? And even if he didn't, he should have said that. He should have went into full sell mode. Because I know they're looking at Gilbert Burns versus uh, Kamara Usman next. I keep doing that, by the way, guys. It's just a subconscious thing. I swear to God. You know, if it was Habib versus Justin Gaethje, I would say Habib versus Justin Gaethje. But, you know. Kamaru Usman is not the champion <laughs> in my eyes until he proves it. You know, he's got to prove it to me. He's got he's got to win in great fashion. And I don't, I don't really, well, you know, I'm, I'm a big Colby Covington fan, guys. So that's why. Okay, guys, that's why. All right, I'll, I'll admit I'm a hater. No, but the guy's great. The guy is really the GSP of our generation. But Hoy Masvidal, he should have went into full sell mode. He should have been telling people, fuck this guy, man. I was going to kill this guy. Imagine what I'm going to do on a full training camp. This is what he does in six days. I'm, I'm more worried about my weight than training. I didn't train at all for this fight. This is what he should have been saying. But instead he said, I'm sorry to my daughter. What? Why are you sorry for your daughter? Do- your daughter doesn't care, man. You know, daddy lost. Oh. oh, did he get paid at least? You know, that's all she cares about, you know. But yes, I know, I'm being a bit heartless there. I'm being a bit of a, you know. But I'm just thinking, that's that's how you sell that next fight. And we wouldn't be having Gilbert Burns versus, <laughs> sorry, Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns if he didn't do that. If he just went, look, man, this guy's a pussy. You know, please get me in there with him for full training camp. Please. But he didn't. He, and, he, and he missed his opportunity. And... 
honestly, because of what he was, because of how he was speaking after that fight, I know he was disappointed. I know emotions were raw. I don't think he'll ever beat Kamaru Usman, guys. I think Kamaru Usman really has his number. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that fight. Kamaru Usman, he's a champ. Not my favorite champ. Maybe not the champ in my eyes, but definitely the champ. He's been beating everyone. He's on such a run too, guys. This guy really is the GSP of our generation. Like, he's on such a run. Like, he's crushing people. Crushing good people as well. I thought the uh, Kobe Covington uh, fight was really close. But yeah, he definitely beat uh, Kobe Covington that fight, obviously. He broke his jaw. He had Kobe Covington running out of the octagon like a baby. And I would have been too, actually. I don't hate Kobe Covington for that, because I would have been too. Alright, let's get on to the, uh, the co-main event. The second co-main event. It's like a wrestling card, by the way, guys. You know, WrestleMania. I don't know if you guys watch wrestling, but at WrestleMania, it's like, we got five main events. Five. We got a main event that starts the show, a main event in the middle of the show. We got a main event at the end of the show. And then we got like two main events tucked in between. Don't leave. You know, that's why they do it, because it's a seven-hour show, and it's like, please don't leave. Triple H is coming on right now. Right now. Okay, let's talk about that second co-main event. First co-main event, rather. Let's talk about Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. Um, Volkanovsky won a split decision, 48-47. I'm not going to break this fight down, guys. I have no interest in that. If you want to see a fight breakdown, trust me, guys. We're not going to be doing a lot of fight fight breakdowns on this uh, podcast. Because Luke Thomas already does it so well. And Luke Thomas, he can have that. Um, But yeah, look. What this fight actually did, it exposed the hive mind mentality of MMA fans. So many people after that fight were like, Max Holloway got robbed. He got robbed. No, he didn't. Do you guys know what a robbery is? A robbery is when someone wins four rounds to one, five rounds to nil, three rounds to nil, and does not get the decision. That's a robbery, guys. This was a 48-47 split decision. One judge had it for Max Holloway. Two had it for um, Volkanovski. Is this a problem with UFC judging? Absolutely not. This is not one of the cases where we have to think, well, should this be changed? Should uh, Do we need a new system in place? And by the way, guys, we absolutely do not. 10-point must system is the best. You know, I keep hearing shit like, you know, we should have it like the jujitsu thing. And it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. All right, shut the fuck up. 10-point must system is legit. Yeah, this really exposed the hive mind mentality. You know, Max Holloway fans were so salty after this fight. They really were. And it was an emotional thing for them. A lot of people love Max Holloway. That's the thing, guys. A lot of people love this guy. He's the people's champ. So he needs to have that belt wrapped around his waist because he, you know, he is everyone's favorite champion or he was everyone's favorite champion. And um, yeah, it was an emotional decision, guys. A lot of people, ah. Oh. Oh no, Max, oh, ah, I ruined my day. Did not ruin my day, guys. And I know you're going to say, well, that's because you're Australian. No, it, it didn't ruin my day because A, I didn't really think it was a robbery to begin with. B, I did think Alexander Volkanovsky won the uh, first, uh, the last three rounds, rather. Max Holloway definitely won the first two rounds. But I scored the last three for Volkanovsky. And, um,. You know, and this is a consequence, honestly, of people not understanding what they're watching. Um, yeah, if you think Max Holloway won that third round, that's fine. But 
Not a lot of people understand judging in this sport. In boxing, it's actually okay. A lot of people don't call the robbery card so often because, you know, we understand in boxing that it's a subjective sport. This is like gymnastics, equestrian riding. A lot of people don't like when I say that either. It's like gymnastics. What the fuck are you talking about, man? This ain't ballet. You can't just choose who you like and you just give it to them. No. But this is a subjective process, guys. You know, and I've got evidence. I've got peer-reviewed literature to back this up, guys. It's by Paul Gift. Let me just get this paper out. This is by Paul Gift. And this is called The Performance Evaluation of Favoritism, Evidence from Mixed Martial Arts. All right, I'm just going to read the abstract just to start with. All right, and this investigates different types of... Sorry, yeah, sorry, I've already done the, uh, the title. All right, let's just read the abstract. This investigates various types of bias and favoritism that may be present in the performance evaluation of state-licensed and state-selected judges for mixed martial arts events. All right, so in the abstract, he basically just um, shares his findings just really quickly, and he says, Findings do not support hypotheses that judges favor title holders. What? Hear that, guys? Findings do not support the hypothesis that judges favor title holders. So I don't want to hear that. I never want to hear, um, to be the champ, you've got to be the champ. Because it's not true. This guy has looked at, I skipped over this part, but this guy has, and he's looked at a lot of fights, guys. He's looked at um, round-by-round judging decisions from major MMA events held in Nevada and California. The gold standard, guys. Nevada, Nevada and California, the gold standard. And he's looked at these events from 2001 to 2012. So 11 years of judging. That's a lot, guys. That's longer than I've been watching the sport for. That's a long time. All right. So they do not, judges do not favor title holders. And they do not disfavor fighters given point deductions. But this is where the biases come in. Allegedly. They do support biases towards larger betting favorites, those with insurmountable leads, and fighters who have won the previous round. Now, I'm going to link this in the description, this article, if you want to read it for yourself. I'm not going to go through the whole article. It's a long article, guys. It's a very long article. But it basically is a, it's a really good article, guys. Um, I'm just going to read you just a little bit more of it. Let me find this. I should be more prepared for this, guys. I really should, but that's just not how I roll, unfortunately. You know, especially on the first podcast episode. You know, it's we're gonna get better and better and better. You know. All right. My, yeah, this is an interesting tidbit. One final interesting result is that missing a takedown attempt tends to lower one's probability of winning. These situations may make a fighter look weak or desperate and factor into a judge's perception of controlling a fighting area. Now, what this um, article is all about when you boil it down is that judges are always going to have biases, little biases, because we have our own perceptions, guys. We're humans. We're not robots. So we're obviously going to perceive things differently. And then when you add time constraints, you only get a minute to think about it and you're thinking about it on the fly as well. Um, Yeah. So it's a very complex and ambiguous system. And we have a lot of people saying, it's objective. No way is it objective, man. If a robot was doing this, maybe it's objective. You know, but that should never happen, guys. Anyone who says a robot should do this shit, no. No, because, you know, even striking statistics, they're wrong sometimes. 
It's true. So they are, you know, sometimes a missed strike is a feint and they count it as a missed strike. You know, and a feint will just set the other guy up, set the guy up for the next shot. You know, you throw that left hook to duck him down, get the uppercut in. Yeah, so that's that's really the big story of this fight, guys. You know, yeah, and really, if you want to, if you know, if you want to fight breakdown, listen to Luke Thomas because he watched that fight forty nine times. How psychotic is that? Forty nine times, dude. I watched it like three times. No, it's like whatever. It's like you don't want to watch a fight forty nine times, guys. That's ridiculous, really. And he's getting so upset at people for saying it's ridiculous. It's like, get out of your own fucking head, man. You're a weirdo. You know, that's why Ara Hawani is the nine-time uh, journalist of the year in MMA. And Luke Thomas isn't. Because he's such a smug weirdo. But anyway, enough about that. Let's get on to the third, the third main event. The third title fight of the evening. Petri Yan versus Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo, actually. For the UFC bantamweight title. And Petri Yan won... In the fifth round, TKO. Let's not talk about the fight again. This is not the story coming out of this fight. Great fight, really close fight for the first four rounds. But in the fifth round, I saw something that can only be described as criminal. Absolutely criminal. I've never seen anything like it, guys. Jose Aldo was in a fucking ball for three minutes getting pounded on. And I don't... Let me see what my notes I've got for this. Because I just get so pissed off, guys. I have to really think about what I'm going to say here. Yeah, it made me sick to my stomach. I mean, that's why I've got that literally written down. It got me, it made me sick to my stomach. And we got to have a think about referee accountability, guys. You know, I was speaking to someone after this fight. And they said, well, why didn't the corner throw in the towel? Guys, the corner is emotionally invested in their fighter. Obviously, they're not going to throw in the towel. And look. That's and especially that's a, another conversation for another day. Should the corner throw on the tail? Maybe. All right. Probably. But the buck stops with the referee. The referee makes that decision, guys. You know, no one else. It's only the referee's job. You know, and I have to also say, when I was watching this fight live, and people can support this, back this up. I was jumping up and down, fucking furious, screaming at this TV. Stop the fight. Stop the fight. Ah! Just like that, you know? You know, way louder. Ah! Fuck! Ah! And then I'm thinking, why do I watch this shit? Why am I watching this? I love it. You know, it's, a, it's a primal thing for me. But yeah, you know, and I have to think about, does Dana White really care about his fighters? Does he really? Because he wasn't like what I was like. If I was Dana White in that situation, I would have been jumping up and down. Stop that fucking fight, guys. But he just wouldn't. He wasn't, and he didn't seem that bothered either after the fight. And Jose Aldo is a legend of this sport. A legend. He ain't, he ain't just, you know, another fighter. He is a legend of this sport, guys. It's just fucking nuts, man. It's just nuts. It was one of the just most disgusting things I've ever seen in a UFC ring. It's just horrible. Yeah, and their ring. Sorry, octagon. You got to use the trademark names, by the way. I guess you know it's not very good. Yeah, I got to use all the you know, trademarked you know, octagon. What else do they have? You know, octagon's a great one though. Yeah. This just made me sick to my stomach, guys. Seriously, but. Let's talk about Petri Yarn for a second. This guy is the real fucking deal. 
This guy is so good, man. This guy is going to be champion for a long, long time. And we're going to talk about Aljamain Sterling later. His tweet, especially when he was saying stuff like, uh, you know, I deserve this title shot. I don't know why he wants to fight Petrian because he is such a monster. And I'm such a, a big Henry Cejudo fan, but I think Henry Cejudo retired because he had to fight Petrian. That's why I think he retired because he was like, fuck this shit, man. This guy's a monster. You know, because when he punches people, he hits you like a fucking truck. Don't forget that, guys. When he hits you, he hits you hard. Bang. Boosh. He just hits you so he hits you like a truck, man. What he was doing to John Dodson when he was hitting John Dodson, John Dodson was flying back. I've never seen someone do that to John Dodson. You know, I think he's gonna be champion for a very, very long time. Similar to uh, Kamara Usman, I think he's gonna be our champion for a long time. All right, let's get on to this. Uh, the uh, fourth fight, we're going down the card, top to bottom. So this was the Rose Nami Yunes versus uh, Jessica Andrade fight. And this fight was kind of like the first fight in a lot of ways. It's, you know, without the slam. Obviously, without that fucking slam. That was a crazy slam. You know, By the way, that slam was not illegal, by the way. That was not an illegal slam. It had an arc. Did not spike her onto her head. It had an arc. She chose to hold on to that submission, and she got planted on her head because of it. If she let go, it, she would have arced properly and landed on her back. But obviously, because she... Held on to that Kimura. She landed on her head. But what I really want to talk about in this fight is the complacency of Rose Namajunas. Rose Namajunas was finding this fight again like the first fight far too easy. She was just hitting her really nicely, really cleanly. Pop, 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 pop. You know, just like that. She was just popping her. But again, it happened. You know, she got complacent. And did you see her after that fight? She looked like she'd been in a war. And it was a fight she was winning easily. And that is her problem. I heard her say before this fight. I heard her say before this fight. Um, I'm not a fighter. I'm a martial artist. You know, I'm a ninja. It's like, no, you're a fighter. Okay? And if you don't fight for every second in this fucking sport, you're going to get knocked out. You're going to get seriously hurt. And the last time she got seriously hurt. And this time... She could have got seriously hurt again. By the way, Jessica Andrade is moving to uh, moving up to uh, flyweight soon. I don't know if that's the right move for her. I think she's pretty good at a strawweight, and I think strawweight is a pretty like it's definitely an easier decision. Uh, definitely an easier um, weight class. I think the flyweight because there's just such a gap between the uh, the champion Valentina Shevchenko and everyone else. It's just such a crazy gap. And I think, again, Valentina Shevchenko, like Kamara Usman, like Petrian, is going to be champion for a long time. Like Khabib. These guys are just going to be champions for so long, guys. It's going to take, a, it's going to take very special fighters to be these guys. Um, yeah, I'm not a fighter. What's that all about? It's the same shit with Anderson Silva. And it came back to bite him. I'm not a fighter. I just do this... Filipino boxing, all this weird stuff. And then you get knocked the fuck out. You start clowning people too much. And obviously Rose Namajunas doesn't. But she just has a big complacency problem. But on the Anderson Silver thing, he's just clowning people too much. And you get knocked out. I think it's karma, actually. I think when he snapped his leg, it was karma. It was legit karma. 
because he was just clowning people too much. And he was he was clowning people really stupidly, like lying down in fights and stuff like that. And you know, and he should have got booed a lot of the time. That's why I don't like Anderson Silva. I would have booed him out of the building when he fights because it's just a. It's not about him being a flashy striker. It's him disrespecting his opponents to the point where it's not fun to watch. You know, good fighter though. All right, let's talk about the last fight on this card. On the main card, rather. Got Amanda Ribas, or Hebas, versus Paige Van Zandt. Hebas, she dominated this fight. I expected her to win very comfortably. I don't rate Paige Van Zandt. I think the drawing power of Paige Van Zandt is that she's a beautiful-looking woman. And there's two sides to that. She's a beautiful-looking woman who's going to get fucked up, and that's like that's a draw in itself. Or she's a beautiful-looking woman. And she's going to be a dominant fighter. And, and, you know, there's two sides to that coin. And they both draw. Trust me, guys. Paige Van Zandt, people will want to watch her next fight. Especially if you put her in there with, like, someone like Macy Barber. Where they've got that heat built in. You know, you want to give her an opponent like that. But, yeah, the real story in this fight is, should Paige Van Zandt, uh, should she be cut from the UFC? And that's what I'm saying. She's a draw. In a way, she's not obviously a drawer in the sense that Conor McGregor's a drawer and she's going to sell pay-per-views. But she's good to have on a card. Because, oh, Paige Van Zandt's fighting. Oh, isn't she that good-looking chick? Didn't she get... She got fucked up last time, didn't she? Mm, let's watch it. Let's see if she gets fucked up again. But, listen, if she's smart, she will go to Bellator. And I think a lot of fighters in the UFC, um, she, you know, cut their losses and go to Bellator. She would be so much better in Bellator, guys. Really. And I'm not saying she'll win a title in Bellator. I don't know if she will. You know, she's not that good, really. She's pretty horrendous, actually. But she should go to Bellator just because it's just so much more her fit. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like she's one foot in, one foot out. She loves her Instagram. She should be be an Instagram model, guys. She's hot enough. She's beautiful enough. You know, and there's this great quote. That Joe Rogan told Brennan Sharp when he was just eating him alive. And he said, it's not your commitment to training that worries me. It's your commitment to fighting. Because these two things are very different. Don't get fooled if you see a fighter being excellent in the gym. Don't be fooled, guys. It's all about the fight. Because you don't get nervous in the gym. You, you, don't, um, you don't get those butterflies in the gym. You, you are very calm in the gym. You're around people you've known for years. But when you step into that octagon, the trademark name, when you step into the octagon, you get those butterflies. Oh, God. Shit, millions of people are watching me. Fuck, I better not lose. I better not lose. It's a way different thing. It's so different. And I'm lucky Joe Rogan actually brought that to my attention. Shout out to Joe, man. We're going to be talking about Joe in a later podcast episode. Is he going to leave? Do I care if he leaves? But anyway, and this was a great win for um, Hebus as well. This was a great win for her. Great win because it's over a name. You know, if she just fought... If she fought someone like... Oh, God. I don't know. See, there's not a lot of names in this division, guys. Not a lot of names. You know, I think if she fought someone like Joanne Calderwood, harder fight, much harder fight. But she's not a name like Paige Van Zandt, you know? And she's probably not the best example. She is a good name. She, she is a pretty big name. But yeah, okay. Person who joined Coddle just fought Jennifer Meyer. If she fought Jennifer Meyer, she would have had a harder fight. Much harder fight. 
but she didn't. She might actually be a strawweight, actually. Got to look that up. But yeah, it's a good win because it's over a name. Easy win as well. That's why Macy Barber was angling for that fight so much, the Paige Van Zandt fight, because it's a fucking easy fight. It's such an easy fight. You guys don't understand how easy that fight is. Like, I know it sounds like I'm ragging on I am ragging on it, but it's, it's an easy fight, you know. All right. All right, and that's the UFC. Um, oh, let's talk about that uh, <laughs> that prelim fight. I forget the names of the guys who are fighting. I don't, know, I don't want to look it up and... But yeah, this is a, there was a Twilight Zone fight in the prelims. You know, two guys who were just knocking 10 bells of shit out of each other. Me and my friends were like, what the fuck? This fight's crazy. And it was crazy, you know. You just sensed the knockout's coming. A knockout, bam! A knockout came, and it was a good knockout. It was the um, Volkan Ostomir fight. Volkan Ostomir, he got knocked out. Bad knockout too, but they were going at it, guys. They were knocking 10 bells of shit out of each other. It was awesome. Alright, that was the end of part one, guys. That was the end of um, UFC 251. We got there. Awesome. Well, I'll see you after a word from our sponsors. Haha, <laughs> not. No sponsors, guys. Not yet. Guys, let's talk about Fight Island real quickly. This is part two. We're going to be talking about Fight Island. You know, I was going to do this. Yeah, I've, I was, I've tried so long to record this, but I'm just, you know, I'm not being myself when I do this, guys. All there is to say about Fight Island is this shit was built by fucking slaves, all right? Let's not forget that, okay? How do you think these structures are coming up so quickly? These temporary structures and brought down. What, you think people on fucking proper wages are building this shit? No way. No way. Same with all of Dubai. This shit is built by slaves. Yes, the pyramids built the slaves too, guys. Doesn't make it right, okay? I'm never going to see the pyramids anyway. Go fuck that shit, man. Whatever. I don't care about that joint. But that's what you got to understand, is that it's a bit weird watching these fights on Fight Island knowing this. And it's also a bit weird knowing that um, this really is just a tourist advertisement for the UAE, you know? And this is going to be a long segment, part two, but this is just a PSA to people, is that Let's just think about this while we watch these amazing Fight Island cards. Is that this was built on the back of slaves. Okay? There's no unionization going on. And there's no one bargaining wages over there. Okay? This is legit slave. Okay? This is slave labor, guys. Let's call a spade a spade. You know, this is a problem all over the Middle East. This is a problem... That we have in Australia too. We have a, a, a 451 visa system. I don't think it's in place anymore. Probably is though. I mean, we have a Scott Morrison government. Pretty dog shit government. But, you know, and you could get migrant workers. A lot coming from China. A lot of Asian countries. And they work very... They work horrible out. Or like, probably better than what they get in China. Maybe that's why they're here. But, um, just still really bad wages. Like, below the minimum wage. And they're doing fucking dog shit work as well, laboring, you know, exactly what these people in the UAE are doing as well. And they're under incredible time constraints as well. Let's remember that, guys. They're building these incredible structures for the UFC, and it just looks like a normal stadium. Obviously, there's no seating and stuff like that. They didn't have to build the seats this time. <laughs> they're like, yes. No, but yes, you don't have to put the seats in. Yes. <laughs> but it's fucking crazy. It's like, surely this only happened in like, Two months. I'll give the UFC two or three months that this was in the making for. No, that's that's way too much. But 
listen, this happened very quickly. These buildings went up very quickly. Obviously, they were not unionized. Obviously, they don't really do that shit in the United Arab Emirates, I'm going to assume. Don't ever assume, guys, but I think this is a pretty, you know, I think I can assume this for once, you know. You know, so let's just keep this in the back of our heads. And what I also don't like about this Fight Island stuff, it is really profiting off a global health pandemic as well. I've seen like all this, get your UFC face mask. Why am I going to get a face mask from UFC? What the fuck? And all these like, what? Why would I do that? You know, I've, I've watched the fights on UFC. I Like, I just come to watch the fights, okay? I don't need merch. I might get those little action figures they got though, those little wrestling ones. Ah, oh, they're so cool. But you know, look. But yeah, that's really... I mean, I was—I had this whole thing planned out for um, part two and um, Fight Island and my gripes with it. But that's really, that's really all I want to say is that when you're watching these fights, and these fights are great fights, great cards. You know, we're going to be talking about in part three, the other cards that were on Fight Island. Yeah, they've been really fun cards. And that's, that's also another thing. I think that a lot of people are, they're putting this to the back of their heads because the fights have been so good. You know, there have been a really a lot of fun cards. And if there was dog shit cards, um, like the Brunson Shabazzian card, we'd be hearing a lot more about this, guys. You know, if he, if these fights weren't fun, we'd be hearing a lot more about this. And I and I just want to dispel this myth that Dana White is a boss for doing this. Dana White is getting into bed. He's just like Vince McMahon again when he got into the bed with the Saudi government. And this is another example of sport washing. You know, washing the human rights record of a, com- a country... You know, the abuses of a country um, through sports, through holding um, mass sports events. Like, um, obviously, there was Anthony Joshua versus um, Andy Ruiz fight in Saudi Arabia. There's also been all the WWE shows they're doing in Saudi Arabia. But now, the United Arab Emirates are getting into the mix. And they have been in the mix for a long time with their purchase of Manchester City. If anyone's a uh, football fan, they'll know about that. And they'll also know about Qatar's... Um, purchase of psg and these are nation states like buying football clubs it's like what the fuck you know and then they're gonna do the uh the 2022 world cup in qatar as well and it's like what the fuck and it's like and it's it's such a bullshit thing i don't want to get off topic too much because no one's really here to listen to football but like they're doing the weirdest things so they can put this event on in 2022 with the world cup it's going to be played in a December winter because it's too hot. It's far too hot to play in the summer. It's going to be really hot in December too. I bet it's fucking... But it's still pretty hot. But yeah, that's all That's all I want to talk about here. Sorry about that. That's all I want to talk about. Is that you got to recognize that this is a sports washing technique. This is a geopolitical technique that countries use to boost the image. And we have seen this very clearly, very clearly in Fight Island. This is just a tourist advertisement. Okay, guys, this is just a tourist advertisement. You know, it's very fun to see Alexander Volkanovsky ride a Ferrari. Ah, woohoo! Or go on, or go to Ferrari World, or, you know, or whatever, right? It's fun, it's cool, but let's think about what this really is. You know, this is a tourist advertisement for a country that can't even respect basic human rights. Okay? Now, I know I'm looking at this from a normative Western view. So, you know, maybe I was born in Dubai. I'd look at this very differently. I don't, because I'm not born in Dubai. I think it's fucking disgusting, but whatever. 
But yeah, let's let's keep this in the back of our heads, guys, because it's very serious, very very serious. And obviously, the tone has changed a lot from part one, because yeah, it's a very serious thing. We should think about this while we watch these things, because a lot of people are dying over there. A lot of people are um, they're subject to horrible conditions. You know, I don't even want to see where they sleep at night. I don't want to see it. I don't want to get too upset. But, you know, maybe in between all these fights, maybe we should see that, you know, instead of the beautiful Yaz Island. Maybe we should see um, how Yaz Island was built, you know, maybe. But that's never going to happen. That's, that's a pipe dream, whatever. But yeah, let's just consider that. All right, guys? All right. Well, that was, that was quite a serious one, right? We might have some of these. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, right? Thank you for listening to that. And, um, yeah, we're going to break it up now. We're going to go back into the fights again. What we're here for. The fights. Yes. All right. Speak to you guys later. Come on. All right. Welcome back. All right. This is actually part three. Right, we're going to be looking at the um, Qatar versus Ige card now. Um, this was a fun card. I mean, it was a pretty boring card, actually. It was not a lot happened on this card. Not a lot of stories came out of this card. Um, yeah, we all know Qatar's good. You know, we all know he's got good boxing. He's a Boston guy. That, that's why he gets these spots, by the way, guys. I'm convinced. He's from Boston. He's a boxing guy. Who else is that? Oh, the big guy upstairs, aka Dana White. Yeah, I, I call him the big guy upstairs, by the way, guys fun little name for him because the dude thinks he's fucking god so we, we got to make sure he's uh titled as such yeah this was a fun fight and i think a story that comes out of this fight is was he given a favorable matchup this time qatar was he because last time he got zabit and he fought well against zabit but i mean you know Look, Sabit won that fight. I scored it for Sabit. I'm pretty sure a lot of people scored it for Sabit. Oh, and by the way, I just want to let this known now. Every time you hear me go, that disgusting noise, my apologies for it. It's just me taking a drink. I have my can of Coke here. I've got to learn to drink it. Uh, I've got to learn how to drink it, you know, stepping away from the mic. But I don't do that. You know, I've got to learn. This is the first time, guys. All right? I'm going to get better, trust me. Just bear with me. All right? And, um, yeah, this was a fun fight. And I just think he was given a favorable matchup this time because, you know, Ige's tailor-made for this guy. He really is. He he doesn't pose anything that Qatar would have problems with. And I thought he looked really comfortable in this fight, Qatar. Yeah, this, honestly, this, what else can you say about this fight? It was a fun fight. Got the decision. Didn't knock Ige out. Ige's a tough guy. But that doesn't mean that, um, it still doesn't necessarily mean that this was a hard fight for Qatar. This was a, quite a favorable matchup. And look, you know, I'm going to be conspiracy theorist here. I'm going to say it's because he's a boxing guy. He's from Boston, just like Dana White. Dana White really likes this guy. Trust me, he really likes this guy. All right. But a good story coming out of this card, actually, was the debut of Munir Lazes from Tunisia. Yeah, this guy's an incredibly flashy striker. This guy looked really good. He got hit a lot. You know, his head was bouncing like a pinball machine. Boop, boop, boop. 
Boo, boo. Ba-doo, ba-doo. But he looked good. He looked really good. And he had lots of wrinkles to his game as well. You know, if he just showed his striking, you know, that flashy striking, which was excellent. But if he just showed that, it would be like, yeah, this guy's all right. This guy's got good striking. But the wrestling was really impressive. The wrestling is what really put me over the line with this guy. Uh, do I think he's going to be world champion? Probably not, because we got Kamara Usman in that division. Probably not. Probably not going to be world champion. But he looked really good. He was a fun little prospect. And obviously, Dana White's hot on him. Signed him after he, uh, seeing him at a party or something like that. Some kid showed him like a YouTube video, some highlights. And he's like, whoa, this guy's got it. And that's a good sign for him. He's, he's going to be pushed quite well, I think. And another thing that came out of this card, see, this was, this was boring card, guys. We're only going to talk about this guy for like f- five minutes because there really wasn't many stories coming out of this fight. Um, yeah, was that hair pull in the McCann-Santos fight? You see that shit? She pulled McCann's hair. She pulled it. And the referee just gave her a warning. This ain't like an eye poke, guys. You can, or a nut shot. This ain't a nut shot or an eye poke. You can do that and get away with it because... You know, you're gauging reach or it's a thigh kick that's gone wrong. But if you pull someone's hair, you're pulling someone's hair. That should have been a point deduction. I don't think it would mean anything because I think McCann got dominated in that fight. But yeah, really, that was, that was all this fight card was about, guys. It wasn't really anything about this fight card that was too impressive. Um, yeah, just whatever. Just another fight card. All right. But the next fight card was actually a good fight card. You know, it, it meant a lot. Benavidez versus Figueredo, rather, for the UFC flyweight title. Hmm. Yeah, this was a good fight. This was... Look, and if you watched the first fight and you, and you understood what was happening, you knew. And I sound like a Steve Bunce aftertime here, but you got to bear with me. If you watched that first fight, you knew Figueredo was just a step above him at all times. He felt... Um, Benavidez felt Figueredo's power in that fight. And he got scared. He really did. He freaked out. And the same thing happened in this fight. No headbutt that caused uh, bleeding and stuff like that. But this time it was even more dominant. He didn't get out of the first round this time, guys. And a lot of people were really sad for Benavidez. I'm not. You know, I'm not really that sad for Benavidez. Because Benavidez, um, you listen, he's a good fighter. And he's had a great career. That's what you guys got to understand. He's had a great career already. All right, he's beaten guys like Henry Cejudo. Yeah, guys, he's beaten some great guys. You know, if, if you beat Henry Cejudo, you're a top guy. Trust me. You know, he's only been beaten by Demetrius Johnson. I haven't got his record in front of me. Demetrius Johnson, Joseph Benavidez. But Henry Cejudo's a class act, guys. Super class act. And that's why I'm not really that sad at him. Yeah, and again, this is just the Max Holloway thing all over again. It's an emotional thing. Ah. Oh. Ah, uh, he's always the bridesmaid. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. History will look fondly upon Joseph Benavidez. It doesn't matter that he didn't win a title in his career. It, the title doesn't make the man. The man makes the title, guys. This is Kamara Usman's problem as well. You know? Let me say that again. The title doesn't make the man. The man makes the title. Alright? We had some dog shit heavyweight champions in boxing. Dog shit. John Ruiz... You know, fuck, man. Dog shit. But yeah. Let's also give some props for Figueredo in this fight. Let's call him Fig. Because I know I'm going to butcher that word a hundred times. Let's call him Fig. Fig looked 
great in this fight. Fig is a problem. And I'm pretty sure Cody Garbrandt's position next to fight him. That'd be a great fight, by the way, guys. If he can get to down to 125, look good. That'll be really, really a good fight. You know. And what's next for Benavides? I don't know. Retire. Have a beautiful life with Megan O'Leary. This again, don't be sorry for this guy. Don't feel this guy's banging Megan O'Leary. Why why am I supposed to feel sorry for this guy? Can we can they tell me again? Because he lost a fight? Well, there's only one winner and one loser, you know. The, you're always there's always gonna be a loser. So, you know, I don't you know, oh god, uh I don't know, don't feel too bad for him. Sorry. Yeah, I don't I don't even think Benavidez should have been in there with him. Honestly, I think um there's better fighters to give that to. Especially look, I'm excited for that Kobe Garbrandt fight. I really am. I know he's in a little tr- Twitter war with um Sean O'Malley right now, and that would be a great fight too, guys. You know, I, I rate Sean O'Malley, but he really has to get past Marlon Vera in this next fight. Could be a Shabazzian thing all over again. And we're going to be talking about Shabazzian a little later. Yeah, and let's talk about the co-man event. Kevin Gastelum versus Jack Manson. Um, yeah, Kevin Gastelum in his last two fights has looked really apathetic. He's looked really, really bored. He doesn't look like a fighter who's really interested in being here anymore. He, honestly, he's like, a, he came in with this weird samurai haircut as well. When I saw that, I was like, he's going to lose. You know, <laughs> you know this, this ain't, you know, this ain't Luke Thomas, guys. Luke Thomas ain't going to say he came in with a samurai haircut and that's why he lost. But it's true. Trust me, guys. How many fights did he lo- uh, lose? Uh, sorry, how many fights did he win? With a samurai haircut. Zero. So it's obviously true, guys. Yeah, Hermanson is a fighter flying on the radar, too. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about Robert Whitaker versus Jared Cannonier next. In the next segment. Um, but he's a fighter flying under the radar. He's a good fighter. A great fighter. But, you know... Mm, is he going to beat someone like Israel Adesanya? That's the thing with this middleweight division, guys. You've got someone there in Israel Adesanya. Again, like Khabib, like Petrian, like Kamara Usman. This guy's going to be holding on to the title for a very long time. He's a very special fighter. And I'm not the biggest Israel Adesanya fan either. But you've got to give credit where credit's due. He's a special fighter. Just no two ways about it, guys. Yeah, so this fight, yeah, it was a bit of a nothing fight. He got submitted in the first round. Again, I think Kelvin Gastelum's time's passed him by. I really do. I don't think he's a fighter that... Um, yeah, it, look, he had his war with Israel Adesanya. He lost his war. Great fight, by the way, guys. That is, That really was the fight of 2019. Great fight. That was a great card too, by the way. Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway as well. Great fight. Yeah, but the next fight... Yeah, well, well I'm not even going to talk about the fight. I forget the person she fought already. My, my head is like a sieve. But let's talk about Ariana Lipsky, dude. You know, the queen of violence. When I first watched Ariana Lipsky, I was so disappointed in her. Because she has that moniker, the queen of violence. But she ain't really a queen of violence, is she? Not really. Is she? Well, in that fight, she wasn't really. She fought not to lose. And it's like, how can you call yourself the queen of violence if you're fighting like this? She fought scared. But in this fight, oh my fucking god. She really was the queen of violence. That knee bar was disgusting. I've never seen 
a fighter cry after a fight, like scream in agony. Well, you know, you obviously you see it, but here, you see here and you see it. But the look on that woman's face when she applied that knee bar was like, fucking get me out of here. I don't even know if she tapped. I think it was just a verbal tap. Maybe she tapped, I don't know. Med's like a sieve, guys. But it was a horrible fucking knee bar. That's all I remember. Messaged my friend straight after. Dude, what the fuck? And he was like, I know, man. That was a horrible neighbor. And it was. Alright. So that, that's, again, that was really all the stories from this card as well. That I was interested in. Let's talk about Darren, uh, Darren Till versus Robert Whittaker. Um, yeah, this was a really fun card, actually. This was a really, really fun card. And I'm not going to say that UFC hit it out of the park with Fight Island. Obviously, the fights they put on were really great. And I bet it did great business. But there's so many ethical concerns around it that I'm not really going to call Dana White a mad cunt because he got this done. You know, he's a, he's a scummy guy. He's like an authoritarian leader. He's a real scummy guy. Trust me, guys. He's a scumbag. But this was a great card, guys. Whitaker versus Till. Now, let's talk about that fight. This was a great fight, a chess battle, as they both have said. Fun fight, close fight. Well, I, I gave it four rounds to one, actually, to Robert Whitaker. And again, you're going to say, ah, it's because you're an Australian. Not really. I don't know. I just, I thought, I honestly thought Till was going to win this fight. I really did. I thought Till, he looked like he was in a better place. He seemed like he'd, uh, he wasn't that type of guy anymore when he first came into the UFC with this like total arrogance and confidence in his ability. And I think the Tyron Woodley fight was one of the best things that ever happened to him because he got fucking smashed in that fight. Jorge Masvidal fight too. Good thing. Was, these are good things that happened to him because he had a head like a balloon. But Robert Whittaker's a great fighter, guys. It's like exactly what he said. He is the champion with the belt or without the belt. He is such a good fighter. I really like the guy. Um, yeah, and apparently Darren Till broke his, uh, not broke, sorry, but tore his MCL in that fight because of a knee stomp. Dude, those knee stomps are killer. What are Yoel Romero's legs made of, man? Fucking steel. Because he did the same thing to Yoel, and Yoel just kept coming. Fuck this Aussie. But, no, nah, he's a champion, man. I love Robert Whittaker. I'm so, you know, Australians are so blessed with the champions we have. All the representatives of the sport we have. You know, just just to name the top two, Robert Whittaker and Alexander Volkanovsky. What we would say in Australia about those guys, two good cunts, two very good cunts, cunts you would depend on. All right, <laughs> they're the two types of guys, you know, and they're great guys too. I don't, I've never met the guys, I never spoke to the guys, but you just can tell they're great guys. You know, you can just you have that perception, you know. Yeah, let's talk about um. Shogun Hua versus uh, Big No. Uh, this was a fucking Bellator fight. You know, this was, you know, oh, am I watching Bellator? What? Who changed the channel? You changed the channel? Oh, you know what? Oh, oh, it is UFC. Huh? Interesting. This was a Bellator fight, guys. I don't really want to talk about this fight. Both of them should have retired after this fight. I have no interest in seeing any of these guys fight. It was a fun fight. Don't get me wrong. It was a good fight. But. This is the UFC. This is the premier division. We ain't doing those types of fights. And this is what kills Bellator as well. One day we're going to talk about what Bellator can do uh, Bellator can do to really improve. And a lot of what they can do is stop flogging out these 50-year-old cunts. I don't want to see Ken Shamrock fight. 
in the 2010s. That's a load of shit, man. You know, you, I didn't even want to watch him in the 2000s when he was fighting Tito Ortiz and shit. You know? Why would I want to watch a, him fight Hoist Gracie in 2014, 2015? What the fuck? No. That's like, how, how can you even sanction that as well? You know, they should... Athletic Commission should be hanging their heads in shame sometimes. The shit they sanction. But anyway. Let's get on to Verdum versus Gustafsson. I knew I was going to murder that word. Gustafsson. I think that's it. Gustafsson. Yeah, that's it. Gustafsson. Verdum submitted him. Um, a lot of people got hoodwinked by um, Gustafsson in this fight. I'm just going to call him Alexander, just for sake. Yeah, a lot of people got hoodwinked by Alexander in this fight. Oh, he looks good. No, he doesn't. Why does he look good? He looks fucking fat. He looks out of shape. Maybe he did train, but... look. And this is the thing light heavyweights do. They get, they think that this is a really easy division, and it, look, it's a shallow division. But these guys hit like trucks, man. And and you know, obviously this wasn't the case in this fight because Verdum and Verdum is the special fighter, guys. People sleep on Verdum so much. You know, you got to remember this is the guy that broke Fe, uh, Fedor's. Good, I hate that guy's name, Fedor. I'm just gonna call him Fedor, man. This is the guy that broke Fedor's uh, record. His, you know, his streak. It's like the Undertaker. You know, he's a special fighter, Verdum. And I and I was worried about Gustafsson coming into this fight, Alexander. Yeah, he just didn't look that great. And again, we're going to talk about that Joe Rogan quote. It's not your uh, inability. It's not. It's not your training that worries me. Your uh, your ability to train. It's your you know your focus on fighting. You know, you got to be a good fighter, and you got you can't be one foot out and one foot in. And he retired last time. And I know that could have been an emotional decision, but he retired. You know, that's just how it is. Like he retired, his brain is not a hundred percent in this. And if you're going to be a fighter, you better fucking hope your brain is a hundred percent in this. And it really wasn't, guys. You could tell. You could tell, and he got bullied as well. You know, and that's the mistake, and that's the mistake, um, who else came up to heavyweight this year, and he got smashed, forget, another light heavyweight made this mistake though, and thought, yeah, this is an easy division, and he got fucking smashed, man, I forget who it was, brain like a sieve, that's a, you know, that's a reoccurring theme as well, the light heavyweights coming up to heavyweight getting smashed, don't go up to heavyweight, guys, I mean, you can, but... Just go to Bellator if you're going to do that. Seriously. Just fight Ryan Bader. It's a much easier fight than me. Stipe. It's a much easier fight than John Jones. Yeah. You don't need to flee that fight. Um, Carla Esparza. She looked good in this fight. You know, it was a split decision. A lot of people thought Rodriguez won this fight. Again, and you know, and you did not hear a robbery. You didn't hear that in this fight. Eh. Esparza won. Eh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I just love wrestlers, man. This woman, she has got such a great takedown ability. She's just taking her down at will. You know. Uh, yeah, I thought two second, um, last two rounds were Carlos Barca's rounds. That's all I really got to say about that fight. Oh, yes. Finally, I get to talk about this guy. Hope I don't butcher his name. We're going to see a lot of that. Next time, I'm going to really prepare, you know, just so I can remember the names. Chimiev. <laughs> My bad, Chimiev. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Dude, this guy's a nut. 
This is the second fight in 10 days. Habib 2.0. Let's just call him Habib 2.0. Because that's what the media is calling him. This guy really is Habib 2.0. He's much bigger than Habib. Uh, he comes from Dagestan as well. Just like Habib. Fights out of Sweden. This guy is fucking crazy, man. Like, Reese McGee, his opponent, did not land a single strike. It was total domination. If that went to a second round, that's what we call a 10-7. Total domination. And again, I thought the referee should have stopped this fight much earlier. I think the referee's job as well is to see a fighter and think, you're not going to get out of this position. You know, this guy is just way too strong, way too dominant. Let's stop the fight. You know, this that's honestly a part of the referee's job as well, to protect fighters. Well, that's the first job a referee has, is to protect the fighter. And I could see from where I was sitting, on my beautiful couch. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't be too hard on referees. I'm just sitting there from a couch. Hey, stop the fight. You know, and obviously they're stressing out. Oh, I don't want to stop this fight. You know, uh, you know. I, I understand. I do understand, trust me. But I don't know. I just think the referee should be held accountable again in this fight. You know, I know Dan Hardy and Herb Dean had that big um, spat. I don't really see that. I don't really care about that too much. Whatever. Dan Hardy's great, by the way. And Herb Dean, we're going to talk about this. Um, we're going to talk about this now, actually. We're going to talk about the Shabazian Brunson card. That happened yesterday. Yes. Oh, before we get there, actually. Before we get there, I just want to read this out to you. I just want to read this out to you. This was the favorite thing I saw all week on the internet. I know I know, we're going to do our internet thing, but this is from the fight card. This was from uh, Peter Sabota versus Charles Oliveira. And Peter Sabota retired after the German fighter. I just want to read you his retirement speech because it's so wonderful. All right, let me just read this, all right? He wrote to his fans after this fight. This is one of the best fucking things I've ever seen a fighter say. And it's like, dude, you get this. You're such a clever guy. I honestly love reading this. Obviously, it's very sad for him, but he retired after this fight and he said, Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to win tonight. I'm also not particularly well. I broke my right arm early in the fight. My face had to be sewn in four places. I'm not looking for excuses. I was the worst fighter tonight, not ready to grit my teeth and go forward. Too little pressure, too little courage, too few hits. I could not play to my greatest strength. Because several takedown attempts failed. Oliveira deservedly won. I have to recognize that my path as an active MMA fighter ends after 17 years. He's done. I felt that in the ring today. I really love this sport with all my heart. And this decision hurts more than any broken bones and ligaments. But I just don't have the toughness. Are you hearing this, guys? What a guy. Seriously, what a fucking guy. But I just don't have the toughness, robustness, and willingness to take risks to fight at the top. It was a damn wild ride. And I am infinitely grateful for the emotions and experiences I was able to experience. Thanks to everyone who supported me and accompanied me. Guys, what a fucking legend, man. I'm such a Peter Sabota fan now. I'm going to go watch all his fights now. All of them. What a guy. Seriously. But yeah, let's get into this um, Brunson versus Shabazzian card. Um, yeah, let's go from the main event. Shabazzian. I was hot on Shabazzian before this fight as well. I know a lot of people were. And if you say you weren't, 
you're crazy. He was a hot favorite in this fight. He got exposed. He got fucking exposed in this fight. Trust me. He looked great when he was striking. He looked really strong when he was striking. Really powerful. But he looked really, really bad in the wrestling exchanges. He looked really weak. And it tired him out a lot. And what I'm going to say to Shabazzian, if you ever listen to this episode, Shabazzian, which you won't, but if anyone ever tells you this, Shabazzian, please leave Glendale Fighting Club. Edmund, Mr. Head Movement, your lead trainer, your head trainer, the guy fucking sucks. All right? He sucks. He's holding you back. You're a very talented striker. He's obviously nurtured that, but he ain't nurtured anything else, guys. You need to leave this guy. You need to go to American Top Team, the American Kickbox. I think you should go to AKA. I think he should go to AKA. I really do. I think if he goes to AKA with Javier Mendez, Crazy Bob Cook, they're going to really help him out with his grappling. And I really hope he does. And it'll and this is a make-or-break moment for the guy. He'll be back. He's only like 23. He'll be back, trust me. But this is a moment in his career where he needs to think. Think deeply and, you know, and think hard. Especially get Ronda Rousey out of your management too. Stop. Honestly, like... Do you, like, she has an emotional connection to Mr. Head Movement as well. That's what we're going to call this guy, by the way. Mr. Head Movement. Head Movement. Head Movement. Head Movement. Yeah, she has an emotional connection to the trainer as well. So, obviously, she's not going she's gonna to tell him, don't, don't do that, don't do that. But he really needs to. Because he looked so weak in the grappling exchanges. Derek Brunson looked like a man. It looked like a man versus a boy. And a lot of people wrote Derek Brunson off. Before this fight. They really did. They thought, ah, it's not that good. Doesn't look that good. Dude, he looked great in this fight. He really did. He looked fantastic in this fight. But, um, yeah. Like, oh, and the other thing I read on Twitter after this. He didn't get a performance of the night bonus. Excuse me? Fucking excuse me? You know, this is why Dana White needs to be stopped, guys. This is why he needs to be stopped. Because how the fuck did you win a main event? You didn't just you were an underdog, a sizable underdog, and you rolled this guy. Let's let's call a spade a spade. He rolled the guy. He smashed the guy. And you're not getting a performance bonus after that? How wrong is that? You know, and the performance bonus system is so wrong anyway. It's really wrong. It's a disgusting system where um, you know, you're putting your, the livelihoods of people out of their hands, in the hands of other people, other decision makers. And obviously, these decision makers have vested interest in fighters because if not, Derek Brunson gets that performance of the night bonus every day of the week. Very disappointing. Shout out to Derek Brunson, man. Great guy. And he looked great in that fight. You know, blonde hair Brunson could be a problem. Yeah, shout out. To, and I heard so many people before the fight, poor. He's going to roll this guy. Derek Brunson, he's dog shit, man. Shabazzian looked dog shit. He looked dog shit. And he's got to, he's got to move from Glendale Fighting Club. That's the only way he's going to get better. If he doesn't move from Glendale Fighting Club, that's it. Ah, I'm doing it again, guys. Trust me. In the second episode, looks at me, no. This ain't going to be like that. How does Mike Francesca do it? How does he drink his Coke and not get it on the sound?
All right. Yeah, we had the Joanne Calderwood versus Jennifer Meyer fight after before this. Yeah, Jennifer Meyer looked great in this fight. I'm 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 a big fan of Joanne Calderwood, but Jennifer Meyer looked so good in this fight. Like her her jujitsu was a problem, and I remember Dominic Cruz saying just before she she nearly snapped the woman's arm. She nearly snapped Calderwood's arm. Uh, Dominic Cruz was like, "She's not gonna get this. She hasn't got it." And I'm thinking, "She's definitely got it, man." Like, what are you watching? That's it's de- and Dominic Cruz. Can we talk about that? He was so funny that night. He was saying so many funny things like, uh, he was saying so much stuff like, uh, well, I'm glad the referee communicated it. That it was going to be fight was going to be stopped, you know, cause he's so salty about what happened to him in the Cejudo fight. He needs to get over that man. Cause Cejudo fucking rolled him. He beat him badly. All right. You got knocked out, man. TKO, my friend, technical knockout. Yeah. What more can you say? But yeah, Jennifer Meyer, she looked great. She's going to get the Valentina Shoshenko fight. Look, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to count my chickens that she wins that fight. No way. Valentina Shevchenko is just so good. She is really so good. Yeah, and that's all i got to say. I mean, oh, and Joanne Cottle was hospitalized after that fight for fainting. Look, I'm not going to comment on this too much because uh, you don't want to be speculative about this kind of thing. People are saying, well, it could be COVID. Dude, it could be anything. I don't fucking know. Like, don't ask me. You know, but obviously she fainted after the fight. She had to be stretched at the hospital. Very sad news. Hope she comes back. And uh, yeah, this obviously was a very hard fight for her stylistically. Um, Jiu-jitsu and boxing. Obviously not an easy thing for her. Alright, and really, yeah, that was it, really. Again, these were just the top stories coming out of these cards. Not much happened on these cards. Trust me, guys. This was back... Oh, this card was a bit crazy, though. A lot of people pulled out of this card. Um, oh, I almost forgot. Jonathan Martinez. Dude. This guy looked fucking good, man. This guy's knees were so good. And he neutralized a wrestler. And, and if you can neutralize a wrestler in my eyes, even though uh, Sands is like 39 years old, if you can neutralize a wrestler, you're fucking good, man. You are very good. Because the takedown, in my eyes, is the uh, the greatest weapon. Except for a jab, a takedown, best weapon. And he neutralized it so well with those knees. Just bam! You coming in for a takedown, bam! And Science was lost, man. And I think his corner should have stopped that fight. I, again, I think the referee should have stopped this fight. But, yeah, to, you know, that was a, a reoccurring problem that night. And Mr. Head Movement didn't know when to fucking throw in the towel. And that's another reason why he should leave. You know, I know I said earlier the buck stops the referee. Absolutely it does. But you've also got to know your fighter. And he had nothing to give. That's why Herb Dean stopped that fight like 30 seconds into the uh, third round. Because he was was done. He was done. And Herb Dean, his confidence is shot lately, guys. Yeah, after that argue, that argument with Dan Hardy really took his powers away. I gotta, I gotta wonder what the fuck did they argue about? Can someone tell me, please, please. You know, I really don't know, but you know, he needs to just sit out for a bit, I think, and just um, get his confidence back. You know, because a lot of people shit on referees a lot. I know I've been shitting on referees myself. It's just, it's a thankless job, guys. It's another one of these thankless jobs because if a referee does his job, you never hear about it. You don't hear about it. You know, you re- the only time I've heard about a referee doing a good job and we hear about it was that Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight where he let the fight go on. 
Because he was right to, guys. If, if you're one of these people that said, oh, it was after the 10 count. No, that's the referee's discretion, by the way. Also, um, Tyson Free went on to win that round as well. Well, you know, it was... You know, he didn't obviously win that round on the scorecards, but he came on strong. He looked like he was going to knock that guy out. You know, if, they, if this was a 15-round fight, guys, if this was back in the 70s, you know, Tyson Fury wins that fight. Come on. All right. But, yeah. All right, now we're going to get on to part four, guys. All right, so I'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye. All right, part four. Everything I saw on the internet this week. I saw a lot of things on the internet. This was a big week for MMA news. Lots of MMA news. And we're just going to start off... I'm going to start off right at the end. Old news. We're going to look at old news first. Port Paolo Costa versus Adesanya was announced for UFC 253. This is a big fight. Now, I don't know if it'll do the numbers that Jorge Masvidal, Kamara Usman did. Well, Kamara Usman, Jorge Masvidal. But, saying that, this will be a big fight. To fight fans, this will be a huge fight. If you're a real fight fan, this should be the most excited. You should, you know, you should be most excited for this fight. Fuck any other fight. This is a big fight. This is what Yoel Romero versus uh, Adesanya should have been. This is what it should have been. And it will be that, because Palacosta, he will not come to play. He will come to fight. Trust me on that, guys. Everything you wanted from that Yoel Romero fight, everything you dreamed for, everything I dreamed for, everything I wished for, it will happen in this fight, guys. And it will be Palacosta's downfall. I love Palacosta, guys. I especially love him for all this like USADA stuff he's doing these days. You're a fucking cheater, man. No, it's, it's USADA approved, bro. <laughs> all the steroids all the steroids I'm taking, it's all USADA approved. So chill out. It's just awesome, man. He's such a chad, man. Such a chad. And I really think public opinion is swaying on Adesanya. I really do. I don't think people are that hot on Adesanya anymore. I don't think people are... You know, because before he fought Robert Whittaker, it was like, you know, shout out to Adesanya, man. And I went to that fight live and so many people there were... Um, so many people there were Adesanya fans. Obviously, more people were Robert Whittaker fans because we're in Australia, mate. But no, Adesanya was a big drawer in that fight. He looked great in that fight, obviously. He looked like a world beater in that fight. But yeah, listen, this will be a fucking cracker of a fight because that's all Paolo Costa knows how to do. The boy bangs, bro. He bangs. Against Yola Romero, he fucking banged. And I think Yola Romero won that fight, guys. All right? I scored it for Yola Romero again. You're going to hear a lot of this. I scored it for the loser. Yeah, I scored it for Yoel Romero because he just looked great in that fight. And Paolo Costa brought the fight to him. And that's what you got to do, man. You got to do it. You got to bring the fight to him. And that's why the Adesanya fight was so boring. Because Adesanya was just shit. Should I go? Should I go? Oh, I don't know if I should go. I don't know. No, but Paolo Costa fucking went, man. He went. And, um... Yeah, I mean, and the other thing about this fight as well is, is that Adesanya, he must win big. 
And I think he will. I think he will knock out Paulo Costa because everything I've just said, that he will bring the fight to Adesanya, that he won't be careful. He's going to go in there, you know, seek and destroy. He's going to really go in there to hurt Adesanya. And it will be his downfall. Trust me. He will get knocked out. You've heard it here first. Put your bets on, guys. Put your bets on. It will happen. No, I don't know if it will happen. But look, to me, it seems very likely that it will happen. And obviously, you know, the ultimate fight is coming back, guys. That's another story for another day. But, dude, how would these... Push this fight back. Push this fight back and give these guys a season as the ultimate fighter coaches. Because that would be the greatest... This would be the best season the ultimate fighter since Rashad Evans versus... uh, Rampage Jackson. This would just be killer reality TV. And I think it would honestly push... Um, it would honestly push the public favor more in Costa as well. Because he really is a fun, lovable guy. And Adesanya is becoming a bit... I don't know. A bit moody. A bit... Uh, you know, whatever. He's just becoming a bit like... Uh, I don't know. I really didn't like him ever since he started going on about John Jones. It's like, dude, you... You don't want that fight. Trust me. You don't want... You might say you want that fight. You don't want that fight. And on that note of, you know, you say you want that fight, you don't want that fight. Let's talk about Aljamain Sterling's tweet. I'm just going to read it out for you. Aljamain Sterling said this. He tweeted this out. The direction this sport has gone in is baffling. I wish they'd just come out and say the UFC rankings don't mean shit. We're just going to do whatever the fuck we want, bud. All this hustling and I can't ever get a clear road. My star will keep shining. That it will, Aljamain. But Aljamain's wrong. Let me tell you why Aljamain's wrong. Because he puts too much credence in these UFC rankings. Guys, the UFC rankings are fucking bullshit. They're like the WWE Top 25 rankings. They're a load of shit. What? An athletic board didn't put this together, guys. And even when they do do that in boxing, everyone in boxing knows that this is a load of shit. All right, because it is, guys. Do I have to explain that to you guys that the UFC rankings are stupid? They don't mean anything, really. Like you, like I don't, I don't know what else to tell you guys. They don't mean anything. Like they mean like as much as like yeah, they mean as much as the WWE rankings. They're a fraudulent, farcical rating system. What more do you want me to say? It's like it's like the WWE, and that's the thing. Aljamain Sterling is correct in his assertion that he should be getting the next title shot, and I think he will. Dana White was pretty coy on that, but I think he was just coy to, you know, just annoy the reporters and stuff like that. He's, he's like that. Um, he will get that title shot. Why do you want that title shot, man? Did you not see what Petrian just did to Jose Aldo? Did you not? Dude, he fucking killed him. It was horrible. Like, it was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. And we spoke about this earlier, but... Yeah, it was horrible, man. Yeah, do you want that fight, Aljamain Sterling? Really? Really? And he and trust me, if Aljamain Sterling doesn't get this fight, I'll be very surprised. I will be very surprised. It's the, it's the only fight you can make. Really. It is really the only fight you can make. Yeah, and that's my thoughts on that. You know, there's nothing more. He will get the next title shot. Stop complaining, Aljamain. You know, and the good... And the thing about this as well... Sometimes you just got to be a good company man. Nah, maybe not actually. Yeah, fuck that shit, actually. You got to be like, fuck you, Dana. You got to be like me. You got to call him authoritarian. You got to, you got to be like Colby, and you got to like run up to the guy in a casino. Sup, sup, Uncle Festus. Where's my title shot? It worked. 
Hey, you say what you want, but it worked. It took a long time, but it fucking worked, guys. The people were hungry for that fight. I was so hungry for that fight. Yeah, and on Colby Covington. Colby Covington versus Tyrone Woodley is announced for August 22nd. I don't know if that's the date now, but I thought I've got on my piece of paper. Listen, I don't know why Tyrone Woodley wants this fight. He's going to get hurt in this fight. Well, you're like hurt in the sense that, you know, he's not going to get knocked out, I don't think. He's going to get embarrassed in this fight. If the fight, you know, I'm going to do MMA maths here. If the fight between Kamara Usman and Colby Covington is any indicator, and then we look at the um, fight between Kamara Usman and Tyrone Woodley, if we look at those two fights, one fight was very evenly matched, similar skill sets. One fight was very, was a shutout, all right? Similar skill sets again. I think this is going to be a repeat of that. And I don't know why Tyron Woodley wants this fight. If I'm Tyron Woodley, what I'm telling, if I was Tyron Woodley's management, I would say, don't take this fight. You don't need this fight. Really, like, I think, and, and there's no heat on this fight anymore. Like, there's a, there's a little bit of heat. There's like a, like a, like a little sizzle, but it's not like a fire. It ain't, you know, it ain't burning your face off. Oh, I want to see this fight so bad. Because time's passed. If we were going to do this fight, we should have done this fight in uh, Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington when Kamaru Usman got the shot. That's when we should have done this fight. That's, that's when it was like nuclear heat. But it's just like simmering now. It's just like whatever. Like, And you know Colby Covington's going to win, guys. Come on. And if he doesn't, you can all laugh at me. I, I, I'm so confident he will, you know, win this fight. Because in the last two fights Tyron Woodley's been in, the former welterweight champion, he looked so apathetic. He coasted to defeat. And when you coast to a defeat, that's far worse than getting knocked out, especially in this sport. Um, yeah, you never want to coast to a defeat, guys. And he's done it twice in a row now. I would be telling him, go to Bellator. Guys, you know there's Bellator, right? And they're going to pay you good money as well. And you're going to get good sponsorship deals as well. You can wear that, like, um, man wipes on the back of his shorts again. That was awesome, man. We got to bring that shit back, man. Man wipes. Dude, so good. I got to buy me some man wipes, honestly. Um... Yeah, and he has this rap personality, his hip-hop personality. And obviously, you know, he, he can play that shit when he walks out. But with Bellator, it's such like a crazier setup. You know, the production value is really cool. Like, they do um, visuals for their entrances. They have like a, a stage, a literal stage. Very cool, man. I think it's very, very cool. And, you know, Tyron Woodley, he can wear like gold shorts as well. He'd be like Trinidad James in there. All gold everything. No, he would look. He would be really cool in um, Bellator, and there's really fun fights for him to make. I would love to see him fight Doug- Douglas Lima. I would love to see that fight. Yeah, I, I think after he loses this fight, not if he loses this fight, but after he loses this fight to Colby Covington, he should go to Bellator because that is where you belong. Not because you're uh, like you're a B standard fighter, but because he's obviously one foot in, one foot out. He's very. Um, you know, he's more interested in being a rapper these days. And f- fair enough, man. You've been doing this for a long time. That's what a lot of people don't understand as well, is that a lot of these guys, especially when they're wrestlers as well, they're doing this since they're like six or seven, you know. And they've been through college. They've went through, you know, and they've, they've done that grind. I've been there, done that. 
Been there, done that. So look, even if he if he retires after this fight against Tyron, uh, against Colby Covington, I wouldn't be mad either. I wouldn't say, man, what the fuck? <laughs> fuck you, Tyron. No, you're not gonna hear that. You're gonna hear, thank you for the career you've had, man. You won a world championship, um, multiple world championships, I think. You know, again, snipes me on that. I think you won the Strike Force Championship. Maybe not. But yeah, um, Darren Woolley just needs to go to Bellator, man. But yeah, that's all I really got to say on that. Shout out to Colby Covington. And look, and if Colby Covington beats Kamara Usman one day, we have to do the Colby Covington special. I fucking love that guy, man. Ah, oh, he's so good. Yeah, and next, we're going to be looking at Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spence, UFC 250. Allegedly just does over 90,000 buys. That's a terrible number. But let's look at this in the context of terrible numbers. That's a really bad number. That's a number that... That's like a WWE B pay-per-view number. That's a, such a bad number. That's the type of number where WWE were like, we got to get out of the pay-per-view business because like, uh, this is just not for us anymore. We're only doing like 90,000 buys. This shit's embarrassing. And that's what Amanda Nunes did in her last fight. But let's not say that Amanda Nunes is an anti-draw. Let's not say that because who was she fighting? Was she fighting Chris Cyborg in this fight? Mm, no. Was she fighting Ronda Rousey in this fight? Mm, no. She was fighting Felicia Spence. In the words of Conor McGregor, who the fuck is that girl? Seriously. I know she fought Chris Cyborg. Fought, looked great against Chris Cyborg, actually. And she got smashed. <laughs> she got, it's one of those things where, ah, you know, it's like a participation award. She got a participation award after that fight. She looked fine in that fight. But... She got smashed in that fight against Amanda Nunes. And I don't think anyone was confident that Felicia Spence um, was a challenge to Amanda Nunes. I personally didn't think so. I thought the fight against um, Durandamine, the last fight Amanda Nunes had, was a much more competitive fight and actually was a fight I was really interested in because they'd, they'd met before, but very different this time around. you know. And Amanda Nunes... She showed in that fight, she showed in this um, Spence fight as well, but most importantly in the Durandamine fight, is that she has so many wrinkles to her game. She's not just this knockout artist. She is a great wrestler, great at jiu-jitsu. She's a really fantastic fighter. And um, it would be very sad to see her retire. I've heard stories like that, that she's thinking of retiring after this fight. I don't think she should. I think, um, well... I mean, there's not many more fights out there for her. I mean, I would love to see her keep racking up win after win after win, but it's very boring. Though. It's the John Jones thing. It's like, yeah, I'm racking up wins, but like, I'm fighting Dominic Reyes, man. Who gives a fuck? You know, and that's the thing. If, if you know, I'm, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but you can't expect these fighters, their effort level to be so high. And that's why he looked so bad against Dominic Reyes because the effort level just isn't there when you're fighting guys who you quote-unquote should beat. They're very dangerous fights. The fights that you should win, they're the hardest fights because you have all that pressure and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, back to the main point. Amanda Nunes only does 90,000 buys. Let's not call her an anti-draw. Let's not do it, guys, because she's fighting Felicia Spence. It's not a... <laughs> Who the fuck is Felicia Spence? You know what I mean? Like, why Why are we putting... And it's UFC 250. Quarter of a thousand. We should be doing a great card for that, but obviously not. Obviously, 251 makes more sense. Oh, weird. Anyway, 
Yeah, that's a topic for another conversation. All right, next story. Yes, this is the big story. UFC are going to... Um, they're finishing their contract top with Reebok. And they're going with who? Venom? Who the fuck's that? Who? Do, you mean like the one in the 2000s? The UFC company from the 2000s? Venom? Weird. I mean, sure, but it's kind of weird. Isn't that weird? When I heard this news, it was like... You had a uh, Nike, Under Armour, and Venom. And when I was talking to my friends about this, it was like, "Oh, you know, we can we can throw Venom out of the mix." You know what I mean? Because I think they're just saying that to you know, to just please us. Oh, remember Venom? Fuck, remember Venom? Remember Tap Out? Dude, you still got that Tap Out shirt? No, you threw it out. That's no, okay. Yeah, Venom. So yeah, I was like, well, it's definitely going to be Under Armour and Nike. Probably won't be Nike because they're such a big brand. It's gonna be Under Armour. That was the that was the booking. That was the bookies bet. That was like the the thinking man's bet. But they fucking finessed us, man. It was venom. And Daniel, while I was speaking to this, some guy asked him if the pay structure is gonna be better than the Reebok deal. I don't see how it is gonna be better. Yeah, he obviously didn't confirm that it would be better because I don't think it is gonna be better. I don't know. I'm not seeing. And the thing about this is UFC is a private company. So it's very hard to know what the figures will be, what the reported payouts will be. Obviously, you know, the Reebok almost disclosed, but I think this deal's gonna be very dodgy. I really do. I think there's I think this is not a good deal for fighters. Again, fight uniforms where you can't have sponsors. In boxing, you're allowed to have sponsors on your shirts, on your shorts, guys, on your trunks. I love it. So many fighters have Fashion Nova ones now, and it's so funny. I took, I went out to a fight with uh, one of my friends, and one of my friends just like he doesn't watch boxing, he doesn't watch any of these sports, but he was getting a kick out of it that Fashion Nova was there. You know what I mean? Because it's just it adds to the personality of the sport as well. What the fu- Fashion Nova, dude? I've heard that on the new Kanye song. It's it's here. But Venom, it's like dude, Venom's one of these like weird two thousands brands, like Tap Out. Uh, got dude. No, it wasn't even man wipes. It was dude wipes, man. Yeah, did I say dude wipes earlier? Maybe I did. Uh, yeah, shit. I need some dude wipes, man. Condom Depot on the fucking back of your shorts, man. Bring back those days. Um, yeah, the UFC Venom deal. We'll see how it pans out. We'll see what the fight kit looks like. And that's the thing. Like, it doesn't. You know, we're all like, hmm. But if that fight kit looks good, we're gonna be like, huh, dope, cool. And that's just how we are, guys. We're kind of fickle people like that. Um, yeah, Robert Whitaker versus Jared Cannonier has been scheduled for October the 24th, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I remember once, I'll just tell you a little tidbit, a little story about Jared Cannonier. Um, I had a Twitter argument once with this guy, Sean Rass, uh, Ross Sapp. Don't know if you know this guy. Uh, he's a pro wrestling commentator, but he also does MMA. And this guy, this guy, like, fucking... Obviously, he comes from the cartoon world of wrestling, as Mr. Bret Hart would say, because he does not fucking get the business at all. Jared Cannonier deserves the shot. Why isn't... Why is Yoel Romero getting a shot and not Jared Cannonier? The, the rankings. And it's like, you know, as I said earlier about Aljamain Sterling, the rankings don't mean shit, man. Do you know what makes sense? What makes dollars and cents? That's what makes sense in this business, okay? does not make sense to put Jared Cannonier out there. And this guy was like, no, 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 no. 
he deserves it. And it's like, dude, it's not about whether you deserve it. You know? Like, you come from the pro wrestling world, man. You should fucking know this. That it doesn't matter. Oh, he deserves it. You deserve it. You deserve it. It's not like that, guys. This isn't a meritocracy. It's just a fucking fight business. This is a dirty, grimy business. And what makes sense is what makes dollars and cents. And if he can get a win over Robert Whittaker, a great fighter, former world champion, he'll be in line, okay? Yeah, and he, and he said something like, uh, uh, he said something, this <laughs> Sean guy said, well... How can you call Robert Rio uh, Romero a draw? And it's like Yo Romero isn't a draw, but he's definitely a challenge. He's a unique challenge in that division. That he's. Did you not see what he did to Chris Weidman? You not see what he did to Jacare Souza? You not see what he did to Tim Kennedy? He fucks people up, man. He fucking hurts people. That kind of made of steel. What? And you're gonna tell me that Jared Cannonier deserves that shot? No. Jared Cannonier with his uh, little stones, his crystals. He walks around with his crystals, like, uh, you know, the ones that give you powers and stuff. I love it. I love that. Um, he needs to beat Robert Whitaker. I was telling him this. He needs another win. And if he gets another win, there you go. He's got a championship shot. But people don't get that. People think this is a meritocracy. Oh, but he's, he's, he's third in the ranking. But he just beat X and X and X. But he should... No. Not how it works. How it works is... Well, and, and also, Israel Adesanya asked for that um, Yoel Romero fight. He asked for it. And how can you hate him for that? He, it's not like he's asking for fucking... I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's not like he's asking for a bum. He's asking for one of the hardest fights in the division. You know, someone that... You remember Michael Bisping was supposed to fight that guy? And he said, fuck that shit, man. Fuck that shit. And I don't blame him. I'm not calling Michael Bisping a pussy. Fuck that shit, man. I don't want to fight you, El Romero. Fuck that shit. <laughs> no one wants to fight that guy. That's why Paolo Costa is such a, a chad. Because he was like, I'll fucking fight him. I'm a heavyweight at middleweight. I'll fight him. <laughs> and he won. He didn't win a MySchool Cup, but he won. And that's what Jared Cannon needs to do. He needs to beat Robert Whittaker, who, like I said before, he's a champion without the championship belt. He holds himself in such high regard, as he should. He's a great fighter. Not only a great fighter, but a great person. You know, he's, ne he's never going to be the Conor McGregor draw because he's just like, he's too nice. Really, is just a really nice guy. And I'm, re I'm really lucky I'm Australian. And he's Australian. It's very cool. All right. Next story. We have Zabit Magomed Sharapov versus Yair Rodriguez. It's going to be a good fight, guys. And I think... I think Zabit is next up, guys. I think he's next up. I think he's such a good fighter. He impresses me so much. He has every tool in the toolbox. He can strike. Beautiful wrestling. Very creative striker as well. Incredibly flashy. Um, yeah, I just think this guy's next up. And I think if this guy ever fights um, Volkanovski, it'd be a really hard fight for Volkanovski. As much as I love my Aussie mate, it's going to be a really hard fight for him. Um, I think that'll be the fight where he loses the belt. Um, but yeah, Yair Rodriguez in his last fight against Jeremy Stevens. Um, yeah, that first fight, I was like, fuck that guy, man. What? He's, he, he poked the guy in the eye. I don't know if it was intentional or not, whatever. But if you poke someone in the eye and the fight stopped, don't have a bitch about it, man. 
you made that mistake, all right? It was a mistake, but you made it. Don't be that guy. Do not be that guy. But in the second fight, he came back and it was a great fight. He put it on Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens in the third round uh, had a great third round, but in the first two rounds of the fight, Yeo Rodriguez showed why he is uh, such a brilliant fighter. He incredibly flashy, um, you know, just and really, really solid kicks as well. It was hurting Jeremy Stevens. I think he put him down with a body kick in that fight, and it was like, dude, what the fuck? But yeah, he's a great fighter, guys. I really like that guy. So that's going to be a great fight. I've got Sabit in that fight. Obviously, that guy's a monster, man. But, um, but yeah, last thing. We're there. We're finished. We're not really. We're not really finished. But last thing. And the last thing, what we're going to do for the last thing is we're just going to talk about boxing news. Because, you know, we need to shine some light on boxing. Boxing's a great sport, guys. If you don't like boxing, get the fuck out of here, man. Great sport. I'm looking at... On my wall right now, I've got Irish Mickey Ward. i got this beautiful uh, framed photo of Mickey Ward's shorts. Obviously a replica because they'd have blood all over them, man. They'd be like stained red. But uh, yeah, dude. Shout out to fucking boxing, man. What a great sport. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm about, I was like, this is a great sport. But this story I'm about to talk about shows you why boxing is a fucking circus act, okay? We've got Mike Tyson coming out of retirement to fight Roy Jones Jr. coming out of retirement in an exhibition about eight rounds. It's going to be in September. Um, there's going to be MMA fighters versus boxing fighters on the card as well, according to Kevin Ioli from Yahoo Sports. Um, this is a farce, guys. I can't believe people are so excited for this fight. This is the fight that in boxing is the biggest fight of the year. You know, and I remember when this the rumors first started coming out about Mike Tyson. People wanted to see him first. Tyson Fury. Excuse me? Did you not see what Tyson Fury did to Deontay Wilder, a 33 or 34-year-old man? He fucking killed him, man. He was, as Tyson Fury says, he was terrified of the Gypsy King. What do you think he's going to do to Mike Tyson? He's going to hurt him. They better have like 40-ounce gloves in that fight. Fuck me. No, but I'm not excited for this fight at all, guys. I'm going to tell you why this fight's so fast. Because people are so caught up in nostalgia about Mike Tyson. They really are. It's a nostalgia thing for them. You're going to watch this fight on in September. I think it might be September 14th. Don't quote me on that. But you're going to watch this fight and you're going to be like, holy shit, why was I so excited for this fight? This fight is fucking boring. Or, flip side to that is, Mike Tyson or Roy Jones Jr. is going to knock each other out and you're going to think, fuck man, that sucks. <laughs> you know, like he's a 50-year-old man. I don't want to watch a 50-year-old man get knocked out. I don't want to see a 50-year-old... Unless your name is Bernard Hopkins, I don't want to see you in that fucking ring, okay? If you're 50 years old, all right? Especially you, Mike Tyson. You, Mike Tyson, when he fought Lennox Lewis in 2002, was a shell of himself. A shell of himself. And that wasn't because of prison and all this stuff. That was because the guy was a huge cocaine addict... So the guy was so mentally unstable. It's not funny. Like, especially after listening to his autobiography. Great autobiography, by the way, guys. Please get that. Such a great book. Such a great read. Such a great listen. Whatever. But I don't want to see this fight. I really don't want to see this fight. It's just not something I'm interested in. I've told people from the very start, I hope he never gets in the ring again. Because after listening to his autobiography, 
I really sense that this man does not want to do this anymore, especially um, listening to his last uh, interview after his last fight. And he said, I'm just not this guy anymore. I can't do this anymore. And I was happy. I was saying, good on you, Mike. Seriously, good on you. Like, good on you for, like, you know, recognizing that this isn't you anymore. And, you know, maybe we'll do an episode on Mike Tyson uh, in the future a retrospective of his career and think about Mike Tyson in the lexicon of all the greats. Cause I think a lot of people overrate him a lot. I mean, he was great. He was ferocious. He was vicious. He's one of my favorite people in the world, by the way, just as a person, he's, uh, you know, he's cleaned up his act so much. Like, I'm very, very happy for him. Um, yeah. Cause that Mike Tyson, when he was fighting was a fucking menace. He was just like, Oh God, imagine doing cocaine with that guy. Fucking get out of here. <laughs> shit when Mike Tyson starts crying and talk about his life it's like get the fuck out of here man I don't want to hear this um, but yeah last story this is the last thing we're going to talk about today Ryzen the Japanese MMA promotion kickboxing promotion yeah it's like a real mixed martial arts promotion this thing is because they do like kickboxing fights they did an exhibition fight with Floyd Mayweather and they're thinking of bringing Floyd Mayweather back to fight Takashi not 6'9", Takashi Uchiyama. And uh, I'm sorry I said it like that. I just have to say it like that. <laughs> My bad. Uchiyama. Takashi Uchiyama. And yeah, I understand this from Floyd Mayweather's perspective. You get paid like, what was it? I think it was $9 million last time. You get paid $9 million to fucking destroy some Japanese geek. Some geek. And, and um, Nakusawa, I think, was the guy he fought last time. He looked like a fucking geek in that fight. He, and people thought that fight was that fight was fixed. That fight was not fixed, guys. That's what happens when you put in one of the best boxers of all time, the best boxer of all time, versus someone who is comparatively a novice, and he's also like two or three weight classes below him. Not even that. A, a lot less, actually, because Floyd Mayweather wouldn't have cut weight for that fight. He wouldn't did not take that fight seriously. He had his hands down the whole time. He's had a lot of fun in that fight. And I don't understand this from Ryzen's perspective because you're just sending your top guys out there to get fucking steamrolled by a guy who's retired. I don't understand why that looks good on you. Explain that. But anyway, you don't need to explain that, Ryzen. It's fine. Whatever. It is what it is. The Japanese love that shit. We're going to be talking about Pride one day because Pride is just so crazy. Honestly, if you haven't... I know everyone's watched Pride, obviously, but to the person who has not watched Pride in their life, watch Pride. It's, like, crazy. It's, like, wrestling, pro wrestling. I know, like, Pancrase is pro wrestling, but real, but <laughs> if you want the superhero element, like Bob Sapp, all these weird fucking fighters, like, all the freak show fights, watch Pride. It's so awesome. If, ah, I love Pride. Pride never dies! Woo! Yeah, it gets super hot. Super am talking about Pride, man. Don't know what it is. I love Pride. But anyway, that's the end of the show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back next week. We've got a special episode next week. We're going to be looking at why Hoist Gracie sucks. Excuse me? Did you hear that right? Yeah, why Hoist Gracie sucks. This guy's a fucking fraud. And I'm going to break it down for you why this guy is such a fraud. All right. Peace out, guys. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. This is DC at your service. All right, let's get it. See you later, guys.